0: The Worldcraft Club Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, a time devoted to world building and its impact on narrative, where we discuss any and all topics involving the crafting of fictional settings to inspire your creativity. My name is James. And my name is Seth. And we are your hosts for this delightful half hour. All right, welcome dear listeners. We have joining us today in our figurative studio, consultant, author of several projects, but most recently the light of the outsider and creator at large, Matthew Selznick. Welcome, Matthew.
1: Thanks very much. It's really a pleasure to be here.
0: Hey, it's wonderful to have you, man. And like it's it's been it's been neat kind of exploring some of your work in the last while or so. It kind of has a very sort of non-traditional aim in it. You've kind of sideswiped a lot of a lot of kind of standard standard tropes that you'd see. But how about we kick it off with just what's your book about? The best question Light- you can give an author.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, Light of the Outsider is a uh, it's the debut in this particular story world, the the shaper's world, which is mm-hmm. a, a wholly original uh, fantasy setting. And the book is basically, it's a, sort of a cross between uh, a fantasy, I'm calling it a fantasy thriller. Um, mm-hmm. The whole book is based around a caper. There's a kidnapping of an infant. Yeah. And there are uh, five very desperate people uh, who all have very compelling reasons to uh, find this, this infant, the infant prince of the, of the, royal, of the royal family that's simplifying things greatly, but, uh, yeah, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, getting him back. And, um, uh, so, you know, lots of different motivations and mostly, uh, takes place in uh, a city. Uh, so a very, very tiny little portion of the world, but there are, um, continental and global implications for the things that happen, uh, in the book. Uh, which yeah, we can get deeply into if you'd like.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's why we have you on, man. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I, like th- th- there was also a particular word that you'd used in our in our emails back and forth on starting this. You used cosmic horror.
1: Ah, yes. and
0: uh, that that <laughs> that got me right away. I was like, <laughs> when we were discussing it, you just said email, you know, it's like it's it's kind of a fantasy thriller slash cosmic horror. And I was like, there yes. is a,
1: there is a bit of that the hmm. uh the bad guys the ones who uh, the kidnappers uh hmm. have a, a nefarious plan for the little the little child the little infant and yeah. uh it does involve uh, you know, if if this was a D&D game we'd be calling it other planar uh, ah. entities <laughs> uh so that's where some of that cosmic horror stuff comes in there's a touch of that uh sort of hovering over in fact, hovering over the entire setting. Uh, it's yeah. just that most of the folks in the setting don't have any idea. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they wouldn't. That's the Right. Thing. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and, and that is the point of cosmic horror, is that it is... Uh, it is sort of unknowable in its mm-hmm. in, in its strangeness, and yep. yeah, that's that's a fantastic backdrop, and I love it as just a just kind of an ever present yawning portal of fear. You know, it's just sort of what's there. there. What's yeah. there? <laughs> just looming. Like, um, I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Conjuring. I've mm. never seen
1: that? I don't think so.
0: A fascinating movie. It was rated R because it was really scary. There was like no other reason for it. There was no violence, no sex, no language, anything <laughs> like that. It was just really scary. But the whole point of like that the fear that built in that movie was mostly in the unknowableness of the That's villain. That's the best. Yeah. That's best horror. Best horror. Stuff. Best horror. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Like and and so the thing one one of the things that you talk about really early in uh in most of your like descriptions of the book where you're where you're kind of diving into it is you you really broke away from a lot of standard fantasy tropes. So there, there's, there's no elves, no dwarves. I mean, you, you've got gnomes, right? You've got to have gnomes.
1: <laughs> there are no gnomes. Ah, oh, who it's does gnomeless. the slapstick
0: in your world, Ben? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just the regular old people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fair. We do enough slapstick on our own. <laughs> but yeah, so dive into that for me. What, what prompted you to start something that was totally original and not lean in on some of the older tropes that we're familiar with?
1: Well, you know, it the the story world, like so many uh, fantasy books and, and fantasy authors, uh, when I was in my uh, preteens and teens and early twenties, I did my share of, of fantasy role playing with uh, uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons and, oh, yeah. and uh, uh, RuneQuest and all of those, and and uh, uh, so it has its roots in that sort of standardized, not quite medieval Europe. Tolkien-ish fantasy world um, and the more that I developed it over time the setting and writing in and the setting and, and whatnot um, it I, I didn't want to just you know it, it was it's a whole different world it's not earth so if yeah. I'm going to have All these regular old orcs and elves and whatnot what are they doing there you know is is it another world or is it not another world and to me it was far more interesting and fun to create another world uh, with its own ecosystems and its own um, there are three uh, sentient um, hominid life forms uh, that kind of share territory um, on the Shapers world and and they're interesting enough and that let me kind of break away from the standard you know uh, there are dwarves and they have earth magic and you know the humans have their own kind of magic that is just sort of whatever they need at the time and
0: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. the humans are the adaptable ones and the elves are ancient and woodlandy but ground, and like yeah yeah
1: Yeah. and it just seems you know i mean Orson Welles said that 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 the enemy of how did he put that the enemy of uh, the absence of limitation is the enemy of creativity. So I admit that there mm. are uses to keeping within the lines, you know, coloring yeah. within the lines and keeping them in, in in your lane with fantasy. But yeah. uh, I guess it's just more interesting to me to to create my own recipe, and you know, granted, it has its own rules, but. Uh, uh, it's been very fulfilling and it's forced me to, you know, I I, 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 I tell people that I am I coach uh, other writers and whatnot hmm. that to, to act like a four-year-old. And this has really forced me to do that. And, and by that, ask I mean,
0: why.
1: ask why. Yeah. But, yeah, but why? No, well, da, 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 da. well, but why? Da, 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 da. And it forces you to just go down the list and, you know, suddenly you've got this branching, massive document uh one way or the other that begin you begin to answer these questions and you begin to hmm. figure it all out. Um, like that. And it's it's helped me to to figure out ways that the shapers world, this essentially fantasy setting fits in with my my other story worlds uh, that I've written in. Um, hmm. And kind of uh create that sort of uh like a Michael Moorcock-ish uh multiverse kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. So they all tie together. Long answer. I'm going to give you long answers yeah. today. That's just how I know. No, <laughs> that is that is what we love. Like we're
0: we're super into that. We we love just wandering through this stuff. That Orson Orson Wells quote was was really fascinating. What was it, the absence of limitations is the enemy of creativity? Was that
1: it? that's the enemy or, of art. Yeah. It's yeah. the enemy of art. Like yeah.
0: That's fascinating. And and this is this is the thing actually that stuck out to me about the wholly original setting problem, right? Mm-hmm. You're effectively, you're taking off the guide rails. One thing when we look at elves or dwarves and these, or orcs and these holy, these fairly well understood kind of characters mm-hmm. um, and races, it kind of provides in one sense uh, an advantage in that like you can, You can say an elf walked into the room, and someone's like, "Oh, tall, fair-haired, blue-eyed, you you know, like shorthand." Yeah, 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 exactly. And and you have this ability to lean on it, and so that means you can you can hand out exposition like a little bit more, kind of delicately. Like you don't have to you don't have to like fire hose it in there and start from the beginning, right? So I I, we're kind of at the belief, like as we as as we've done the podcast, one of the one of the ways I summed up exposition is it's a little bit like when you're out running or doing really heavy work for a while, somebody gives you water. Like (laughs) you usually want to just gulp it down, but that's going to make you sick, right? Like you got (laughs) to sip the water. You got to sip the water. And so the exposition is a little bit like that sip of water that is much needed at times, but it's kind of got to be strategically doled out. Mm -hmm. So, when you're creating something that's wholly original, right? Like you're avoiding the tropes. So you don't go dwarf and it's like short guy, big beard, likes rocks. And <laughs> you're now stuck with like this race walks in here. You're, I think you're stuck in some ways trying to find, find ways to drip that, that little bits of those little bits of description in, and have people understand the differences between your, your races and mm-hmm. any other kind of interaction. So, um. On a practical level, you know, pen to paper, as you're writing your narrative, how is it that you, you drip feed that? Is there well, a method? Well,
1: th- th- for me, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, um, <laughs> let me give you another quote, the creator of the wire. He has a saying that basically says, F the average reader and, okay. the, and, and the need for exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that he means don't you don't need to spoon feed people. Yeah. The reader is a lot smarter than we as authors in our our own insecurities as communicators. The reader we we have this assumption that the reader is not going to get it, you know, if we don't give them that fire hose of water instead uh-huh. of just a little sip. And and I think that is is valid. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I the way it was approached in light of The Outsider, well, first mm. of all, um, you know, the action is very, it's big scale events viewed through small scale eyes, right? It's, it's yeah. you know, there are five point of view characters, but they are all, it's on the ground kind of stuff while this horrible stuff is pending, right? Mm. So that allows me to keep the focus tight. Yeah, there are two other sentient races in the world, but in this book, at least, we don't see them. They're referred to, but we don't see them. Mm-hmm. um they'll be they'll be a long, they'll be, there are at least uh, 5 more books uh, in this cycle uh plus side projects so you'll you'll see them yeah. But I didn't need to worry about that right now, mm. just enough to mention that they're out there and that just tells the reader you know when 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 a character mentions you know I, I understand that even the the fane in and the in the Wallendon wood are being informed about this, that just tells yeah. the reader, okay that well there are these things called the fane in this place called the and wood yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and it's it's immersion, it's verisimilitude, right it's mm. it's the the idea through dribs and drabs that this is a larger world that you are just visiting a portion of you can see the mountains in the distance you might not get there today and i think that that's uh Mm. when you're writing something like light of the outsider which is basically a a very character driven um kind of story uh these larger elements you know it's it's in media res right the reader is dropped down more or less in in the middle of the action and i trust them to catch up and if they don't, well, this isn't the book for them. <laughs> I no, like that's, to say, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like to say that I, I make stuff for people who like the kind of stuff I make. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, I like and I like that. I like that a lot. And that gives me a lot of freedom, you know, yeah, and a lot yeah. of responsibility. But uh, uh, so that's, you know, and there are, you know, there's a magic system that I have to, to you know, have hmm. certain rules about. And that again, gets explained uh, as you go. You start to pick it up. You start to understand because the same metaphors are used over and over again in the way that the, the characters describe uh, what, what in the book they call the science. Um, you know, you, you, you start to figure out, okay, well, these are the rules. These are the limitations just as you go. Um, so yeah, expo- exposition, I think the reader is is wise enough. I mean, look, uh, fantasy books sure they have that shorthand of here is dwarf we know what dwarf is but science fiction books don't right um yeah yeah so why do we have the expectation that the reader will be able to pick it up and figure it out and fill in the spaces in their imagination with a science fiction book that has say aliens yeah and we don't you know and we we think that Fantasy has to be, or you know, I won't say has to be, but so much of fantasy is sort of the standard tropes with different, you know, shades of, of paint on them, basically. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, I I really like that. I've often been kind of. I was thinking this the other day. I'm a big fan of the Expanse uh, novels yeah. and the TV series. Yeah. Oh my gosh, great sci-fi! And one of the things I notice is that in the books, they frequently describe Earthers um, using using pejorative terms so they'll say things like he was a squat earther right <laughs> which is an interesting thing because usually you think of it from the perspective of well i'm from earth and so the marsh you should say the martians were weird and tall or the mm-hmm, melters mm-hmm. were weird and tall and it's funny to me to hear again like this kind of pejorative thing where they're saying oh the earthers are unusually short right. <laughs> you know and it's right. like to think about it in that context i always thought was a really neat flip on it which which kind of leads me to like language in your books because some um, starting with a whole new kind of like whole cloth world building. um, You had to do a lot of language. Now at the beginning of your book, I was, I was checking it out. And the first thing I thought was, Oh God, this glossary. And I, I started like flipping through it. Like it's just, and, and, the thing that amazed me though is like, cause I was like, okay. And like, you know, I, I, I read a couple of them and uh, I, I have questions about where you got some of your ideas for naming. Cause uh, right. I I think that's, that's fascinating. And I, I like, uh, I, I couldn't place where they were from, which is neat. Cause I can usually go, oh, this person likes Norse mythology. All right. You know, you can kind of tell. <laughs> uh, but with yours, I, I was a little bit, uh, I was, I was left a little bit amused. Um, so, but as I started reading it, what I found is, and, and this kind of fits your, um, your idea about kind of drip feeding exposition and trusting your readers mm-hmm. in that you use a lot of terms like instead of breakfast, you say first meal. Um, I didn't need to read your glossary. In, in essence, <laughs> to that, that's not something in the glossary, but it's like, it's like their sort of <laughs> yeah. terminology. But the thing that's amazing about using those sorts of terms to kind of break things up is I sense that it kind of drew me into the world because it was unusual, but very easy to understand. I, I'd, I'd love you to talk a little bit about how you worked on this language and you made it feel that sense of familiarity, even down to your slang term. You know, slang terms like open a valve, like knew exactly what you meant. You know what I mean? Followed <laughs> completely. But it was like a, it was a way to immerse me. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Well, I, I would love to be able to say that I have this this whole invented conlang and (laughs) uh, oh boy man uh i'm looking at the rosenfelder book on my shelf just right behind the monitor here the Mm. language construction kit and only looking at it is what i've done the whole i don't know how many years i've owned it Uh, (laughs) it's uh this is a a sidebar but it's so easy to get into the the rabbit hole of world building and worrying about you know well you know uh, what shade of green is the grass you know before you write a single word of fiction that yeah i don't have time for a conlang first of all it's it has to do with context and point of view so we are all the characters in the book are of the same species the magen who are basically plains dwelling hominids they would not pass for human on earth but they're the the human analog, right? They're the, yeah. the the they're the ones we're going to empathize with. So you're seeing it all through them. I think about culture, and culture is often an offshoot of of physiology, and of uh, specifically, this is a big deal that yeah. it is not not overplayed at all. But the magan are not as sexually dimorphic as humans are. So the secondary sexual characteristics are not as pronounced the gender roles are not as uh it, there's not as strong of a, of a patriarch matriarch kind of conflict or divide yeah, um yeah. it's a subtle thing but you'll notice all the, the the women uh they wear pants just like the men Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 um the country this sort of uh, empire for want of a better word that the story takes place in um is yeah. is co-ruled by But essentially a husband and wife, a king and a queen, and they are referred to in the singular when they're when they're spoken about Mm -hmm. Uh, the all word you know, refers to both of them as a group. So all of that kind of different point of view from from the get go helps to remind me this is not a, a medieval kingdom. This is something different. Mm. And that helps inform the language. There are certain just, and this is just a straight up literary trick, um, when it came to the way people speak, in, in the story, uh, there are several characters who are, who are from what they call the shadow district. Mm-hmm. Because most of the day, it is literally in the shadow of the wall that surrounds the palace. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And they have, uh, they tend to use a lot more contractions they have a little bit more vulgar uh, speech, whereas the p- folks who are in maybe the merchant district or the trading district or the palace district tend to not use as many contractions. They speak a little bit more flowery. And it's a subtle thing. There's a character who's, who straddles the line between those two worlds. Getting his vocabulary right was a constant challenge and constant tweaking, you know, um, going back through it. So so that enters into it. and. You'll notice I'm not really talking so much about language. Like I made up these verbs and these, you know, suffixes and, and whatnot. It's more about how the, how their brains work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the slang, the slang was, was just fun, you know, Yeah. because I can't say things like go to hell right yeah. i you know uh i can't what, what, use... is that, what does
0: that mean there's no context for that word there is anymore. no yeah. hell yeah, yeah.
1: um so uh, you you can't just say damn it because what are they damning There 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 is a monotheistic religion but there's no concept of damning right yeah yeah um, so they have a whole different uh it, it's all so it, it was a fun challenge and there are a lot of sort of compound words thrown together um that are that tend to be almost slyly um, humorous right yeah Um, yeah you know so because that's I think that's how people tend to be you know I mean if you think about some of the words we have for some things they're, they're kind of silly um,
0: oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like oh, know. We, yeah, especially and you, know, you, get, you get all kinds of uh, bizarre combinations of words we use, and and Germans are especially famous for it. Like with, right, with right. enormous and words to just describe <laughs> things. Like I, I like like Schadenfreude and things like that. Right.
1: Yeah, great and, feeling and
0: you have when your enemies fail.
1: <laughs> the only the only kind of uh, sort of guideline I have, I do have a, like a one sheet cheat sheet that has just guidelines on some things that i use for place names mostly you know like the the uh suffix of tog meaning you know um, which which is an indication that we're talking about a place or a settlement that kind of thing hmm. um little things like that but it's uh it's highly underdeveloped uh, <laughs> and uh, as long as it, it all kind of uh as long as nothing contradicts what I've done before, uh, I'm okay with it.
0: That's been a lot of our guiding guiding light as we've kind of worked on this project as well, is that we've kind of come to the conclusion that boundaries are really important, like uh, people understanding what things are capable of, yeah. or more importantly, what they're not capable of. Mm-hmm. And then um, just really consistency when you create an artifact like drive it home like always make it the same way like um and and an interesting thing is that in jk rowling's uh writing she often um will use a set of adjectives around each uh, around a certain character each time so big harry hagrid right like tall red hair ron and so she would use that to produce sometimes ambiguity about mm. what someone's doing or where they are and say i saw a big shaggy shape oh that's Hagrid. what's he doing you know and it's like instead it's something else and so like it was an interesting like kind of linguistic tool like in world building to kind of like throw those things together and maintain
1: that consistency throughout well you know where she got that where'd she get that did you ever read the iliad
0: oh <laughs> you're kidding it's, it's, there's nothing new under the sun, is there? Like, um, but.
1: Well, and that's the reason that that's, that existed though, is because with the Iliad at least is because it was, it wasn't written down. It was an oral tradition yeah. poetry yeah. poem. So they had to use the same terms over and over again to sort of describe each of these characters. So they'd keep them straight in their head, you know? And oh, I bet. Yeah. It's, so it's a fun literary trick, you know, and whether she consciously knew that she was you know, repeating that trick or not, it's just, like you said, there's nothing new because this stuff just works. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like when people say the Beatles are overrated or something. I'm like, yeah.
0: there, there's an argument to be made there. Like, <laughs> but the reason you're saying that is because everything that, that your favorite artist built off from them, you just think it's boring now because your guys mm-hmm. are, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, that's, that's wild. Oh, that's super fun um, <laughs> I, I, I like that your notes are slim like that's kind of a cool thing like with especially with the language because that's something that I noticed and that drew me in so it's kind of neat almost to hear that that's there's not a heavy load to bear with that <laughs> um, So w- where did you get some of your ideas for place names from like I, I found that really interesting they seemed fairly original to me I couldn't quite place them.
1: uh, if you you tell me
0: mythology now i'm gonna be so upset because i made no
1: no uh i I like uh there there are just certain word combinations sound combinations consonant combinations that just sounded right to me Mm. i'm afraid it's nothing more complicated than that um you know uh and i made you know there are like i said a few guidelines guiding principles like um the 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 kingdom is uh, aonic. That's a lot of vowels. It could be read a lot of different ways. And I just decided, well, sort of similar to like Hawaiian, you you, you hear every vowel uh, without without all the apostrophes. <laughs> so it's not aonic. It's aonic. You know, you just kind of let it roll through. So that's a guiding principle. You know, um, there aren't really too many long vowels. Hmm. You know, it's Magan, not Megan. You know, M A G N, uh, things like that. But so, it, it, but I'm, I'm sorry. These are all just arbitrary decisions that I made along the way because I liked it. This is this is <laughs> this is the best. Right? Like this is right on the money. My buddies,
0: they 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 would. Um... We're really into music and they they make all these th- these bands. I would ask them, you know, what's the significance of the name of the band? And they'd be like, S-E-O. <laughs> and I,
1: like search engine
0: optimization, right? And it's like, you look at like all these guys and they 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 put together their band names based on like, does it kind of sound like it fits with the music we make? They're like, sure. Like, let's eh. do it. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a band called Continental Breakfast. Which was like a jazzy kind of band that did covers like uh, kind of like a, like you'd imagine you'd hear in a cafe. It's right. neat to hear that this fits in sort of a novel kind of you know, in, in a yeah. writing kind of fashion. And I think that's great because you come up with some basic guiding principles for well, this is how I want my names to sound. These are some mm-hmm. general rules in pronunciation of vowels yeah. and I'm just gonna make word salad and see what kind of comes out. And if it sounds like what I need it to sound like, like if a mountain's big and threatening, like ER and a duck would be great. You know, like, let's just <laughs> go with
1: that. You know, it's like I said earlier, as long as I'm not contradicting what I've established before, mm-hmm. um, then I am gradually sort of accreting this, you know, you said the notes are, are slim <laughs> not uh, sorry about that. They, yeah they're, they're not so slim it's it's just that the the focus is elsewhere um the mm. focus is on the story and the history and like the that. backstory i've got a, a twenty thousand word document that is nothing but the backstories of the seven principal characters um that i wrote before i started word one of the of the book um wow. and and so it's exercises like that um And, you know, and and believe me, I'm uh, now that the book is done and I'm kind of in the promotional phase of it and taking a little breather from crafting the next piece, which will probably be a a sort of a branching novella before we get into the second novel, Mm. um, I'm working on the master map because I only have the, the vaguest, you know, other than some computer generated stuff, I just have the vaguest sketches of what's where and whatnot. And uh, it's going to be more important in the next novella and in the next book, we're getting out of the city, we're moving out into the world. So, so, you know, it, it does get granular for me. It just, um, I try not to let that be the guiding thing, Mm. you know, everything should serve the story. Yeah. Um, And the story is, is, pretty vast. Uh like I said earlier it's it's probably six novels. It ties in yeah. to my uh Sovereign Era story world and my Dai Kaiju Universe story world and my Protector Cycle story world. So there's all this the the, the notes are thick, my friend. <laughs> yeah. No. No, it's, well, that's
0: that's fascinating to me though cuz like um so uh I love um mm initiating nerd slap fights about like um <laughs> about different things i just love dropping hot takes and just watching people like get furious about one of the things is like so um I'm, I'm a big fan of dune i'm really excited for 2020 yeah uh, this year apparently i'm excited for it i forgot it was this close um so they're coming out with Dune with a new dune movie and i'm trying not to get my hopes up but mm-hmm. i'm also really getting my hopes up so there's no supercomputers in Dune. There's no thinking machines, right? Because thou shalt not craft a machine in the image mm-hmm. of a man's mind, right? Like yeah. so um I think the reason that is is because Frank Herbert wasn't interested in it. And so he just went, sought it. There was a jihad. <laughs> like just like done. Like, I'm not going to write about it. Because like, he wasn't. He didn't care about that. He cared about ecology. He cared about philosophy. He cared about mm-hmm. leadership. And so he wrote a book about those things. And he right. wanted to be sci-fi because he wanted it on another planet. And it's just like, screw you guys. I don't want to write how AI is going to impact our mind. I want to write about what it would be like if a human were prescient and what their leadership would be like and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the meaning of power. And like, right. I want to write about these things, not about something that would shatter a lot of that if i just had ai to do it you know it's about the limits of humans and like i think i think what you're saying is is totally valid build what you're interested in and uh, what what your story is focusing on what's important for that so you can have your twenty thousand words of character bio (laughs) and your one page of this is how language works like a linguist like tolkien would would you know, lose his mind at that prospect. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like, don't, don't you have your ancient lore history for all of it? And, a, and you know, a book longer than the book, that's language. Mm-hmm. And like, that's fine. You know what I mean? He focused on what he wanted to do. Linguistics was his thing. And so yeah. he did that. And it's um, it's fascinating as well, because even Tolkien's worlds were not as developed as I think people assume they were, because he no. hints at a lot of depth But he wrote in an old kind of heroic fashion where the mm. heroes were normal people they weren't all like well you know some of them were kings but um you know for the most part it's viewed from the from the pov of the hobbits and like especially you know bilbo in the hobbit and frodo Mm -hmm. in um in lord of the rings and that meant that you're just kind of seeing things as they see them and so you're catching them for the first time which seems to me the the big scale story small scale people right right getting involved in that that seems to really fit that i love that
1: yeah. And that's, I mean, that is, if, if you want to really get down to it, that is why I write it, It's, it's all about what does it mean to be human? Um, yeah. and, and which is, you know, you could argue that that's what every story is about, um, in any form, but I'm really interested in, in how people, how circumstance shapes and dictates character. Um, yeah. you know, how, uh, how we face uh extraordinary circumstances um even if we're only really in 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 the case of most of my characters really only facing uh, the 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 fringes of the extraordinary circumstance you know um and you know the, these uh, in light of the outsider and it's, it's a minor spoiler but they have no idea the consequences of their actions yeah. <laughs> they, they just don't know they're, they're trying to save a kid uh yeah. or, or or not as the case may be um mm-hmm. but uh um but there's so much and it will come out but there's so much more to it um and that's you know um but yeah i i, I love the the uh the drama. I love the character-driven stuff. I love being able to empathize um, with the people. Uh, you know, uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday in a coaching session, a client of mine, and, um, you know, we we were talking about how stories, it, the great stories aren't just, you know, um, what would I do in that situation? They're the ones that make you say, oh man, that's what I would do in that situation, you yeah. know, making me make question your own uh, uh, sort of foundational beliefs and, and, you know, up against the wall, who are we, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of question. And, uh, and that's why I really enjoyed kind of, and I knew writing it that, you know, Light of the Outsider is, is hard to classify. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, somebody said, oh, it's probably, you could probably just call it Grimdark. I'm like, yeah, all right. But that to me sounds like, you know, Warhammer or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and that's Space just, <laughs> is the first <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, but it, it's, and that's why I just describe it as a fantasy thriller. And, and, you know, early on when I was first talking about, the book as it was being written um, you know I said it was as if, as if uh, James Elroy and George R.R. R. Martin had had a, a stillborn sport and left it in an alley somewhere and <laughs> I picked it up and 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 raised it into this thing that is light yeah. of the outsider because it's you know there is court intrigue there is this you know uh, international conflict, mm. uh, and there are these—you know—there's sudden and uh, brutal violence, and uh, you know there aren't nine thousand characters like in a George R. R. Martin book. But I promised yeah. to finish these things too.
0: Shade, shots fired. No, but yeah. on the other That's on the totally other side
1: true. of it, it's if you've read any James Elroy who wrote mm. L- *L.A. Confidential* and, and *The Black Dahlia* and all these mm. great staccato, poetic, literary crime novels um i wanted to capture some of that too where it's you know at the heart this is film noir in a fantasy setting um oh, yeah yeah and uh which i hope I, I managed but but that's a hard sell for people who are used to like you know name of the wind or or uh lord of the rings or yeah. you know any of these other things so yeah, it takes some talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I,
0: I think that's a sign you're onto something good, though. You know what I mean? It's like it, it's we shall it's, see. It's, <laughs> I do find that combination fascinating because that was the other thing that that drew me into um, into this into this interview early on was you'd mentioned noir, cosmic horror, and uh, thriller and fantasy, and I was like, oh, that's that's a neat mix. I think that does give you a sense of it and sort of a sort of an eerie feeling of going into the unknown, like, um, like. George R.R. R. Martin is fascinating because I love killing characters. Like I, Or that's a bad way to put it. I, I like forcing people into a position where they have to grapple with yes. something ending and something changing. Right. There's a TV show, Gravity Falls, which is absolutely brilliant cartoon, but essentially it just sort of ends and they go away. Hmm. And it ends at season two and that's it. Summer vacation's over. And part of the point of the show was grappling with things coming to their end and things changing. And so, like, I've always kind of, I like that, like, violence has a permanence to it. Because right. D&D doesn't do a great job with that. And it, it's it's usually most most characters kind of become murder hobos as, as the, uh, as the <laughs> parlance goes. And just start, uh, start you know, just killing fools left, right, and center. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting to me that this had its origin in D&D. Like, um... And this this kind of was this the way back kind of synthesis of this or is it is it very divorced from that now or are there still echoes of that we're very pro Damp;D or we love it's, us in D&D.
1: It's super divorced from it only because the d and I'm talking about was in 1984 and there's been plenty of time from that uh, initial little campaign uh, till now you know yeah, yeah. And, and and so, I mean, yeah. The original story it wasn't even this story. It was uh, the original Shaper's world the, the origin. Um, yeah, was this campaign that that, uh, and there are elements of that campaign that will end up in book uh, book four and five. The D stuff is, uh, and I and I, I wrote about this in this long rambling. Uh, 3,000-word article on my, my website about yeah. sort of the, the, the origin in every sense of the word of Light of the Outsider. Um, and, yeah, it was uh, me and four friends getting together in an afternoon and, and doing a, a, you know, kill a dragon campaign. There are no dragons in the Shapers world now, you know, but uh, the thing about role-playing games in general, and this does still apply, is they provide a wonderful framework uh, as long as you don't become, I think, as long as you don't become too restricted by the mechanics yeah. of the rules. They're great yeah. for kind of classifying and categorizing and, and creating a taxonomy for your world building. I actually use a variant of the Fudge system um, to kind of provide a compare like to like for my characters and creatures and animals and, you know, what mm. Um, and of course fudge is what gave us fate, which is a very popular system. Um, sure. The roots in advanced Dungeons and Dragons are certainly there. Um, I still have all those old hardcovers and cherish them and, um, come back to them for ideas and whatnot. But, and you know, there's, it, it's going to sound, uh, maybe immodest, but I'm beyond it now, um. I'm I'm more interested in in story construction and very very realistic underpinnings underneath um, the fantasy.
0: Yeah,
1: the shaper's world is worked out geophysically and astronomically. It yeah. circles an actual star in the sky. I'm not mm. going to say which one. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and and you know so I you know I know all these th- these things, but. Um, but as far as the role-playing game, uh, I know I'm drifting far from your question. But, but no, you're good. The origins, uh, yeah, the origins in Dungeons and Dragons and and all those things, um, and absolutely a, a debt of gratitude for the uh, the sort of the imagination key that yeah. uh, that fantasy role-playing provided when I was. But it's uh, been a while. It's been a uh, heck. Yeah. It's been uh, last time I think I actually played any kind of role-playing. Uh, tabletop role playing would have been uh, in the maybe 1989. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, but I do still refer to the books more, more than D and D. I tend to refer to, to uh, some of the traveler stuff. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, Mega yeah, yeah. Traveler and, and uh, Mark Miller just came out. Well, it's been a few years now, but he came out with a, a brand new giant edition of traveler. And mm. um, because again, it, the worlds have a scientific underpinning to them um, beyond Copeland's just a good
0: synthesis of that stuff. I like yeah, that. yeah.
1: And you know, you know, and I'm interested in in having all the gears kind of fit together beyond just rivers flow downhill and they don't split and blah blah blah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, you're gonna set them all off now. Talking I about know, nerd, right? nerd <laughs> right? slap fights yep, that just yep. kicks them off. Yep. Um, <laughs> No, I had a lot of fun. But my job is actually I'm a hydrologist. <laughs> like, oh, there you go. <laughs> so like I posted this like silly meme in <laughs> <laughs> the world builder's sanctum. And they just they just uh that was that was a lot of fun. Um but and then yeah. you're
1: like, no, I seriously do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, really, like I, I I I know Rivers Fork, it's
0: cool. You're still like, wrong. It's, yeah. yeah, I know. I just yeah. No, it's it's yeah. It served its intended goal. It's a hard conversation. It was it was interesting. I was just surprised at what I'd wrought. You know, I didn't know what I'd stepped into. I was like, "We're fighting about this. Like, nice. this is like I can give you the Wikipedia page. It's pretty well established is this really how this the, works and is like this really how
1: it, the highly eroded hill you want to die on. <laughs> I know.
0: Nerd slap fights are the best. So, it, it, speaking speaking of rules, right, and mechanics, mm. magic is the science. You gotta you got break this down oh. for me. What, what's, what's a basic like synopsis of your magic system okay. and uh, yeah, how do you keep it solid? Yeah, I, I
1: can do that without giving too much away. Uh, and, and when I say good, uh, yeah. they call it the science, what uh, it, it's, okay. it's their sort of name for it. Um, and um, uh, so what we would think of as magic in the standard fantasy book sense um, yeah. in the Shapers world and in, in, in particular, as we first see it in in Light of the Outsider, uh first book um it all kind of hinges on probability uh so all magic and this is also and i think i've talked about this before so this is no big secret either but in my sovereign era uh story world with brave men run and pilgrimage and some of those other works it's the same deal there but it's with superpowers um everything has to do with the manipulation of probability or the yeah. understanding of probability. So, um, you know, David Deutsch, the uh, theoretical physicist, has a he has said that uh, everything that is physically possible has happened or is happening somewhere. <laughs> in in the universe or multiverse or however you want to interpret it, um, you throw you throw enough dice. Like, well, you throw enough dice, and you have enough time, and you have enough space. Uh, everything that is possible is so. Um, basically, the the science is the ability to kind of perceive these the, the branching paths that choice create. Um, so uh and also you know different different folks have different manifestations of this ability to affect or perceive probability some folks can change probability in an offensive or defensive way you know and you can think of examples Mm -hmm. like you know just there's a character who can cause physical pain in other characters from a distance really all that's happening is he is adjusting the chance that they're going to get a headache could be a really yeah. bad headache. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that, you know, um, there's another character who can uh, through concentration and, and, and ritual. And most of this, that's the other thing. That's the other sort of limiting factor that I try to apply is most of yeah. this does require deep concentration, ritual, um, there's a technique, which I actually stole from Julian May called uh, working in concert, where, you know, more than a group of folks can be focused in, uh, through one person and then they are the greater than the sum of their parts towards mm. some end, some magical end. Mm. That's the underpinning of the magic system is it's all based on manipulating probability to one degree or another or perceiving probability and this is uh i can't get too far down the rabbit hole because it gives away stuff uh, for the future but 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 yeah that's that's kind of the the basis of it and the only other aspect that i'll say is that um for historical reasons Mm. the ruling class the 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 folks in charge and the government in charge and the ruling um religious organization uh, magic is not allowed. The science is hmm. outlawed, and it's a time of pretty relaxed. Uh, well, I'll say it that way. It's a pretty relaxed time in the realm, uh, and and so it's not necessarily always enforced or followed up.
0: Yeah. you know, yeah. one of the
1: characters is a uh, makes a living as a fortune teller. Yeah. Most people just think she's, you know, really just an advisor who is has painted in 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 in, in these, you know colors of the science. Yeah, she actually yeah. has ability in the science, but she looks just like any other charlatan, you know, and she likes it that way yeah. because that keeps her under the wire, that kind of thing, or under, yeah, the, under, yeah, the, yeah. under the radar. That's the magic system uh, in a nutshell. It, it, it has some very strict constraints. It's definitely not, you know, you're not going to be ever seeing like, you know, fireballs and magic missiles flying back and forth uh, yeah yeah it's just not that kind of thing. Um, it's much more subtle. well that's a paradigm shift
0: like um in in, in the way that magic is usually uh, carried out is that I, I think magic uh, systems, usually have their roots in sort of a religious practice or principle there's kind of a sense that there is a uh kind of supernatural element to it and, and, and there is to yours but it seems more grounded in kind of a, a physics or mathematical yeah. kind yeah. of kind of way it all has to which
1: it's entirely to do with how this universe works it's fundamental laws in this universe that are yeah. just different than ours yeah I
0: just think that's fascinating. I'm, I'm cool. I, I, I won't.
1: I won't tempt you to uh,
0: to, to more discussion on this just because I don't want you to don't want you to spoil your Greek book, um, or book series for that matter. Because there's more to come it yet. Is. I'm tempted to go deeper into a lot of different topics, but. Here's here's my last here's my last thing. This is a question I like to ask all the people we interview. And it, it's effectively like, look, if you could go back in time to when you started this project with regards specifically to world building, like what advice would you give yourself? Like what would be the one thing you'd say? You've got your 10 seconds, you've just come out of the time machine, you've got phrase you can throw at yourself. What would it be?
1: I mean, the the main thing I would I would remind my younger self is that uh and we touched on it earlier, is, is don't get bogged down, you yeah. know? Uh, don't get bogged down in the details. I I really think, and I'm gonna speak for myself, but yeah. I, I, I've i seen this in other folks too, other creators. I think that world building is the ultimate uh, procrastination. action, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, oh, it's a thing you can do, so you don't have to do the real thing. Speaking um, of great poor Montos. <laughs> it's yeah, it's procrastination. You know, yeah. you feel like you've accomplished something because you've filled yeah. out a corner of your map.
0: I wrote the whole history of a continent we're never going to see in the book.
1: Never going to see, and nobody yeah. cares. And mm-hmm. it does not matter unless you actually do something with it. Um, yeah, you know, I, it, this all kind of ties in with my creative philosophy, and it is all, it all stems from kind of understanding my own faults and limitations, and so I know that. Look, it, it, when you create something, we're talking about books here, stories, games, whatever. Yeah, yeah. If, if you create it and nobody else experiences it, you haven't really done anything. You've, you've satisfied yourself. There's a word for that. It's not very creative. Uh, okay. Trying to remember your I nephew's list. Yeah, I was about to say my, nephew, my nephew's <laughs>
0: mother thanks you. My nephew will be looking this up though. No, that's
1: good. It's not procreative, right? Yeah, 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 no, I follow you. Art has to be experienced by someone other than the artist. So you've got to finish the thing.
0: Dang, yeah. You know,
1: you can, I like that. And the reason we don't finish is because we're scared. And again, I'm going to speak for myself, but I'm going to guess that this is going to resonate for some people. Hmm. And so this is what I would tell my younger self. And this is what I tell my clients. And this is what I'm telling your audience is, 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 is don't, as long as you don't finish, you never have to face the judgment on your mm. thing. You're yeah. always going to be safe. And as long yeah. as you're safe, you're never going to grow as a creative person, maybe even as a person. So <sighs> you, you, you it, if I, I had a discussion in a writer's group on Facebook, you know, cause I got on there and I was just venting one day. Cause I'd had a really rough writing session. Yeah. Um, and I was just complaining. It's just like, and people got on well you know if if you're not having fun people are going to not have fun reading the thing and I'm like, i call shenanigans on yeah, that
0: yeah 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 you know Most
1: i mean it it's it's you have to push yourself you have to feel struggle and strain and it's got to be difficult or you're not working hard enough you know mm-hmm. the old yeah. saw of throw out your first four ideas you know if you get to idea 5 and you're not sweating a little bit or feeling a little uncomfortable or a little outside your zone Go with idea six. Keep working, and 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 yeah. it, that doesn't mean figure out the shade of the blade of grass. It doesn't mean you need to know every microclimate or work out every clade on your you know uh, animal tr- kingdom. <laughs> it yeah, means yeah. it means serve the story. Get to done. Ship the thing. Get it out in the world, and do the next thing, and build your creative legacy. Uh-huh. Man. That's those are the hard knocks that that that, that, that yeah, I've figured yeah. out. This is and look, I'm I'm turning fifty three as we're recording this. It's my birthday today, and Happy I. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not saying it because of that. I'm saying it because I've only got three novels under my belt. Yeah, you know, and the first one came out in uh, 2005, mm-hmm. and it is taken a long time to figure out. You know, the you don't get just lost in the weeds. The weeds will tangle you up and hold you still. So yeah. keep your eye on, on what you really want to do. And I want a creative legacy. I want to have stories that are, that live beyond and uh, uh, in, in multiple media and the whole nine yards. So yeah, that would be the advice both to uh, you know, the time machine advice to me and to whoever's listening, who is, sweating over you know uh the perfect map or or uh you know are my gnomes clever enough (laughs) (laughs) like i brought a full circle (laughs) oh yeah i love that excellent work
0: All oh, the stories.
1: Finish the stories. Get them out there. Get done. You know, honestly, <laughs> I, I
0: can't think of a better way to kind of close this out and finish this up. I think that is a great sum up. I love that. That's phenomenal. <laughs> and that that jives very much with what we've kind of been uncovering the more that we uh the more that we just kind of explore this stuff with different creators. So I'm glad. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for affirming that in such a illuminating way. I like that. That kind of a uh, hard knocks kind of way. I like that. But here's the thing everyone's going to want to know right now. Where can we find all your stuff? Well, That's a
1: great question. Thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can get Light of the Outsider uh, for the Kindle at Amazon. You can get the paperback at Amazon or anywhere else that you buy books online. Um, you can find all my other works my first novel, Brave Men Run, and its follow-up pilgrimage, as well as other uh anthologies and short stories and even nonfiction works, uh, also at Amazon. Just uh look up Matthew Wayne Selznick. You can go to mattselznick.com, that's M-A-T-T-S-E-L-Z, N-I-C-K dot com, um, for everything, uh, podcasts, articles. Um, you can hire me for various things I'm a, uh, I am work with authors and podcasters and other creators uh, helping get their works to fruition and mm. to a market and to an audience um, but Light of the Outsider is a thing we're here to talk about It's, it's uh, I, uh, I'm proud of this book if you like character driven uh, fantasy that is uh, strong on the empathy and maybe a little less strong on the uh, uh granular world building or lots of uh wanderings and whatnot there's no tom dom tom bombadil in this book
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> no um, i'm gonna quit
1: <laughs> no 80 page digression to uh, tell a fairy tale uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah mattselznick.com, or you can search me on amazon um and uh, Google me up. I'm real easy to find. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, all the links are, uh, uh, let's see. Facebook is Matthew Wayne Selznick Creates. Uh, Instagram is the same. And then Twitter is at Matt Selznick. So uh, yeah, find me.
0: <laughs> Excellent. All right. So I, 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 think, we've, I think we've covered it. That's phenomenal. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Matthew Get It Done Selznick. We have yeah. <laughs> really enjoyed having you here, man.
1: It's been wonderful. It's been a great talk. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you for joining Seth and I on the World Craft Club podcast. Please go ahead and like us, subscribe to us on your preferred app. And if you use iTunes, rate us five stars if you think we're worth the rating. It really helps our numbers. If you're listening here, you're missing out on half the content, along with loads of other goodies. So please consider becoming an exclusive club member at our Patreon page, starting at as low as $5 a month. If you have any questions, you can go ahead and jump on our webpage, worldcraftclub.com, to get the latest updates on our blog. We're also available on Twitter and Instagram. This has been the World Craft Club podcast. Thank you for listening.